Yes, what did you want? Um, <laughs> why did you ask me? Why am I doing this, by the way? Because like, you interview everyone. No, but and I don't now understand. I would like like, to... Why would you? We saw each other for three hours a day, five days a week for seven years. Just yeah. isn't it enough? So we're catching up. Let's put it that way. All right, Gareth Cliff, what an honor it is. Uh, <laughs> let's just start off by saying thank you because back in 2007, you welcomed me into your team. And if it wasn't for 5SM, I mean 5FM mornings, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I honestly don't think I'd be here today well, in the capacity. No, I, I mean it took that. a lot of persuasion. I mean, <laughs> first of all, you were ginger. Second of all, you were white. And third of all, you were from the deep free state. I mean, why would anyone want to hire someone with well, those credentials? I'll never forget. But I, I thought you were good. So, yeah, we needed you. That. And you, you were part of a very, very special team that made radio history. It, it was... And that's something I wanted to ask you. Why do you think that team just clicked? Because it was dysfunctional but functional. Look, I mean, dis- you, you were yeah. there. Um, it was very honest. Yeah. It was very straight up. We, we loved to entertain people. We all got there every morning. And Some even, of us after six. Yeah. Well, Leanne, Leanne yeah. <laughs> but, but even if you weren't like a 10 out of 10 that yeah. morning, that was still okay because yeah. it was so real. There was nothing about that show that was fake. There was nothing about it that was scripted. Um, And radio shows up to then had not been like that. You know, people forget, and if you listen to any recording of anything that came before our show, and it's not saying too much because this is what the the critics and everybody else who's ever listened to our show would have said, is that before we came along, you know, the news was sacred. The sport was very, like, professional. Yeah blazer and read the here are the results from last <laughs> night's games i mean we never did any of that stuff we did yeah. exactly what we wanted to and the audience did what they wanted to they could call in with anything um and we we opened up the lines we broke all the rules we got into constant trouble with management but we just didn't care i mean we didn't even pay attention in meetings no we didn't and we had a weekly meeting but i also think it was an effect of the time um you know the south africa at that point was at its most buoyant and friendly. It was the Becky years. Um, growth was on the app. People were finding meaningful jobs, purpose, um, a, a, a reason to partake in the national project. And I think we were on a station where the youngest listeners were the most optimistic about things. And it's hard to find that optimism now because people are really struggling. So it's partly that. It's partly that I don't know what radio is like now, but I can't imagine it's any better. It's probably worse, but I don't know for sure because I don't listen. Yeah, and I think we just had we had so much fun. Like every single day was the most fun you could squeeze into three hours. Uh, it really was. I mean, and those three hours flew by. Oh my god! Uh, it was oh. suddenly phone calls went. And I remember people to this day ask me, "Why don't you guys do phone calls anymore?" Because we're not on radio anymore. <laughs> well, I've, yeah, I've started taking live calls again on the show. Okay. Um, and it's fun because, you, again, you never know what you're going to get, right? It's never. like opening up a lucky packet, but the lucky packet could have a turd in it. So you really don't know. Absolutely. And, I mean, most of those people, which, again, nobody was doing before, I would cut off as we went because yeah. they were really dreary. So we, we did um, everything they didn't want us to do, we did. And everything they told us to do, we didn't. I mean, we went through, what, eight program directors, yeah. maybe 12 I don't, I don't even remember like who they the were. Fun at coaches. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, like, these were the most useless people. In You remember how ma- management never had our respect for anything. No. And yet the numbers were amazing. Yeah, well, that's, that's why they couldn't get rid of yeah. us. Um, and eventually after, what, doing it for seven or eight years, 
it was just enough because we'd reached the top. And yeah. when you when you're at the top, that's exactly when you got to quit. Um, if you carry on beyond that, you become tired, and then they fire you, or you don't have as much bargaining power with your next thing. Yeah, you know. Um, would you have liked to have continued? I know I you like said your, I like this interrogation room of yours. By the way, I feel like I'm <laughs> a suspect in a crime. I've got this bright light looking down at me, and I'm like, "Shit, what have I done?" That's Tyler. That's all Tyler. Okay. Thanks, Tyler. And it looks great for a police cell. Yeah, <laughs> with some color. <laughs> yes. What did you want? Um, <laughs> why did you ask? Me? Why am I doing this? By the way, because like, you interview everyone. No, but and I don't now understand. I'd like like, to... Why would you? We you, we saw each other for three hours a day. Five days a week for seven years. Just yeah. isn't it enough? So we're catching up. Let's put it that way. And I also want to Let's say, go for a well, coffee. Why do we have to let everybody else <laughs> see our catch up? What are you? What are we so uh, interesting that everyone needs to know everything? Well, you we are. Do? Yeah, I mean, uh, on the way up, there was about three or four different people that you posed with for photos. You know, Gareth yeah, Kiff I mean, is still this is Linden. I mean, is <laughs> I don't come to this side of town. I must say, one thing I saw you did many years back. You posed for photos at Cape Town International Airport with a whole netball team once. And I was like, damn, dude, I have so much respect for you. Because it's not very difficult with a net. <laughs> but but I'm saying <laughs> it, it, it was it like was individuals. A team of, group. I don't know, uh, you know, body positive <laughs> Paralympians. You wouldn't have had me so enthusiastic. I can promise you that. But one thing you've always done is you've always made time for fans of the show, fans of Gareth Cliff, right? Well, yeah. I mean, look, I don't want to make too much of a thing about it because I get very, um, I'm, I'm not as as social as I used to be. Uh, to get me out of the house like this is a rare thing. Oh, I've become very reclusive. Um, I've got friends, I love those friends, but I'm not really in the business of making new ones. And when I, I spent like this weekend, I spent with, with family mostly. And on Friday night I was in bed at nine. I mean, that's, that is about as boring as you can get. <laughs> so, so to make me leave the house now is a lot harder. But it isn't about you. You know, you, you realize when someone wants you in your picture, in their picture, it's because you're just an accessory. They, they, they want to show other people that they've met you, but they don't really care about you. So don't get too full of yourself. Just pose for the fucking picture and let them go. Move on. Yeah. Um, what, what is fire, what's putting fire in your belly at the moment? Because Cliff Central's done amazing things and well done. Congratulations. The new premises is up and running, I yep. believe. No, we're having lots of fun. Look. I mean, it's nine years uh, since we started this, so it's amazing how quickly time flies. And if you ask me on a good day, I'll tell you that it's the most exciting ride I've ever been on. On a bad day, I'll say to you, oh, my God, just make it stop. I want to get off. Yeah. So it depends. And and Mondays are not the best days, but I was, I was up at 4.30 this morning, and I suddenly thought to myself while I was crying in the shower, <laughs> I thought, why, why are you still waking up at this time? You don't have to do this. There are positives and negatives yeah. to it, obviously. You know this. One of the nice things about waking up early and even people who don't do a stupid show like we do will tell you that waking up early gets your day a head start on everyone else. You know, you you have to figure out what's going on. Um, you get to, to be at your most alert first thing. And then you, you can you can mess around for some of the rest of the day because you, you've already cracked the code. Yep, you have. So I love that. The, the show is going fine. The show's great. We've got an awesome, loyal audience that is growing. Um, and, you know, podcasting, as you will know, has become a massive thing. When we started it nine years ago, people would still say to me, oh, what's a podcast? Why are you doing a podcast? Why aren't you on radio anymore? <laughs> and, and there's still people. I still I'm bump sure into people now that. years later, and they're like, 
are you on radio still? And then I, I after I've uh, stabbed them repeatedly <laughs> in the stomach, I have to um, explain to them what a podcast is. <laughs> but most people get it now. Yeah. You know, most people know what it's about and they enjoy listening to that. All I listen to is podcasts and have been for since before we even stopped doing our show. I mean, I never listened to any other radio when we were doing our Do show. Do you have a particular one that you religiously listen to? Podcasts? I'm listening to an amazing one at the moment called The Rest is History, okay. which is fantastic. Um, I, I still listen to Bill Maher uh, with Real Time. Um, I listen to a lot of our podcasts. You know, we've got a psychiatrist on, a guy called um, Professor Christopher Paul Zabo, who's done the most amazing series on all the aspects of mental health that you could possibly imagine. I and mean, really, the, he's an brilliant. expert. He talks to other experts. And they don't talk about like, oh, you know, depression and anxiety is such a terrible thing. They talk about the chemicals that work on the synapse. You know, I'm all into uh, science. Yeah, that's your scene, so absolutely. When, when they, you've got two brilliant people or more, sometimes he has three guests or whatever, talking about this stuff. I could listen for hours because you're learning. That's brilliant. Um, Gareth, how would you describe the South African podcast scene at the moment? Because I think you've been a trailblazer. Um, you've yeah. almost sort of paved the way because there are other podcasts that I think on the coattails of, of Gareth Cliff. That's nice of you to say. Look, um, whenever they write an article about podcasting, they just they, they choose to ignore that we started it. <laughs> but it's fine because these people are illiterate journalists who get like four grand an hour. I mean, a, I was a about month, to say an a hour? Month, a month. Sorry, <laughs> a month. Sorry, I was projecting. A <laughs> but they these are not bright people and, yeah. and and they think that podcasting is easy and look it's easier to do a podcast and to start one and to invite people on it and maybe it grows maybe it doesn't but it, to, to be consistent about it as you will have learned is a lot harder and yeah. you know where we have a bit of an edge is that we we know what it's like to sit in front of these and earn every listener because we've done that already that's right these you know people who come on and they're like oh well, I've got 500 people who listen to me every week so what I mean you could you could do that and if you stood on the corner of Grayston with a with a billboard and you had your junk hanging out, <laughs> yeah. that's not a big deal. No. But to get the people that come back over and over again, that know what you're doing, that love what you're doing, that contribute to what you're doing, that to me is the success factor. And I feel like podcasting in this country is still a little immature. Mm. It still needs some growing up and there will be a separation eventually of the wheat and the chaff. And the best ones will will stick around. You know, there's some people who've come in and really made big waves. Um, Mac G's terrific, and I think what he's doing is yeah, awesome. He's done a great job. Um, I think that what you're doing here is great. No, thank you. And there are there are a lot of people who are very professional about this. And then there, you know, the also rands, and that's fine. There's space for everybody. I'm not saying that there are people who shouldn't do podcasts, but they're going to be better ones and worse ones. Yeah, you know, it's like people who make music or people who play sport there's going right. to be some who are really good at it and they make it look effortless even though they're working hard at it and then there are other people who are just uh, kind of they're doing it for the fun i mean in, and people vote with their you know with their ears yeah. i suppose we can yeah. put it that way look at your numbers on itunes and yeah. constantly in the top I mean, 10 been, we, i don't think we've ever dropped out of the top three since we started yeah and you know that's that's pretty amazing because there are other podcasts who are much much younger and there are one or two who've been around about as long but they're none that are older. So if we can keep being relevant, then at least I'm doing my job. The day that I start falling down there, it's because I've become irrelevant and boring, 
or because the audience is sick of me, which is the same thing. Well, if you're in bed at nine o'clock on a Friday, oh, I'm starting so to bad. worry about it. What you? am I going to talk about? You know, listen, <laughs> <laughs> oh, woke up at this time, went to sleep at that. It rained on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> How many mills did you oh, get? There? <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, like those conversations that your dad would have Absolutely. with his friends, and you'd think, oh, is this what being old is? <laughs> yeah. No. Um, Gareth Cliff now to Gareth Cliff when he was 702 breakfast host back in the day with his black SLK. Can I please just ask you, hmm. was that always part of the deal that what? you would get a black SLK oh, no. with that? I, I bought it because I was a smart ass and I thought, well, this is a two-seater because you always want, as, as, a, as a young guy in your 20s, you want a two-seater two -seater car, car because every beautiful girl has a fat friend. And you just go, I'm sorry, you can't come. There's no space for you. I need two seats. Yeah. And she can't sit on, the other one can't sit on her lap because, you you know, head's going to stick out. But <laughs> back in the day, as a 21-year-old doing yeah, it was, a breakfast uh, show, that was That's mad. why I bought the car. Wouldn't you? If, you oh, had, if you're absolutely. 21, you're earning too much money for your own good at that stage. You think you're a big deal, because I did. I thought I was yeah. such a big deal. And then you buy a sexy sports car. I went through about four of them. Yeah, you, you enjoyed that. And, and now, now I, I mean, I'm... I'm driving a sponsored car at the moment, but if you made me buy a car, I'd be a, buy a wheelbarrow with lawnmower engine. I would, I would, it doesn't interest me at all. I've had that, that stage done and yes, dusted. done and dusted. It's like fame. You know, you talk about the people who want a picture, for example. Once you've had it and you've – I mean, I enjoyed it. When I was a you know 20-year-old, it was the most exhilarating thing for people to recognize you. Now, when I can see people recognize me, I go, oh. Like you just want to cringe it all. Yeah, you like want to hide behind a pillar or something because you know they're going to ask you stuff, and it's all great. Listen, yeah. it's no reflection on them. It's a me problem, right? But I'm I'm over it. I'm over sports cars. I'm over fame, and I'm over impressing people I don't know. I don't think I've done that for a number of years. I say what I think, and I get into trouble for it a lot of the time. And I do what I say, which ironically is my my definition of integrity. Um, Idols is obviously a huge part of of your career mm. also i mean you did a, a stellar job there is that something you maybe miss or is that just a chapter not, that's now done not and at dust? all I, I think you know i've never ever had serious fomo and i don't think i'm one of those people who gets uh nostalgic very often i mean you know we've got this little whatsapp group you me leanne uh Mabali and tabo damon left a while I, he had a temper tantrum and left and i don't know what's happened with him but you know, we'll post funny shit there occasionally, yeah. but I'm I'm not nostalgic. I don't like hanker after the past, like that Bruce Springsteen song, Glory Days, you know, where the guy keeps going back to school where he was a high school rug yeah, uh, well, the football player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just don't, I don't get like that. I, I move on to the next thing and I almost completely forget about the previous experience unless someone brings it up and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, we did that. That was yeah. quite cool. Um, and it's not because I'm trying not to sound like I'm an egomaniac because I can be, but it's because I actually don't care. Once I've moved on, I've moved on. It's like in relationships. I, I get on fine with my exes from my point of view. Some of them may hate my guts, but as far as I know, they're all terrific and I'm yeah. still okay with them. I don't, I don't really harbor a place for, oh, coulda, woulda, shoulda. The good old days. Yeah, or, I get over yeah. stuff so quickly. Like you and I could have a fight now. Yeah. And within 20 minutes, I'll be back to being exactly as I am now. Is that something that's come with age, though? Like, you've, you've matured, or is it something you've no, always... I think it's always been me. You, always you, been you've you. seen this. Yeah. I, mean, I would lose my temper about something on the show, and I'd, like, throw shit at people yeah. and, and behave like an absolute maniac. I would never do that now, but yeah. when I was in my 20s and 30s. And then... 
five minutes later, I'm absolutely fine. Yeah. I, I come down, simmered down, everything's fine again. I'm like, hey, isn't this a lovely day <laughs> for us all to be together? I don't know what it is. It may be a survival mechanism. It yeah. may just be that I'm not one of those people who holds on to things. And, and thank God for it because it must be exhausting to always remember like the, the bad stuff and to remember why you're cross with someone and to have to remind yourself of why you have an issue with this family member or oh, why man. you're fighting with this person. Life's too short. I, I can't imagine a yeah. worse thing to do with your time or your energy yeah. to let someone live rent-free in your head, which is also why you know people often mistake when I get very passionate about something, where it's political or you know, philosophical. and Whatever. Sorts, yeah. they, they, they mistake that passion that I write with or that I speak with in the moment for like anger and this 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 like seething rage and <laughs> I don't have seething rage I I don't think I've ever had it actually I've never been in a physical altercation with anyone um, and I've certainly had arguments with people but I love arguments yeah. I find arguments extremely um, invigorating I find it really interesting to to figure out why people say the things they say and do the things they do because there are insights there that you couldn't get from having pleasant, happy, you know, in asterisks, they used to do the flowers around the speech bubbles <laughs> when people were really speaking nicely to each other. And while there's a place for that, too, I mean, you don't, you know, storm into a room and start arguing with people just for the sake of yeah. it. But um, you, you might want to be polite yeah. some of the time, which is also something I've had to learn. And I've had to learn to care. You know what yeah. I'm like. Yeah, of course. I'm not a very empathetic person. Um, and I realized that in order to do my job properly, I would have to learn what the appropriate social cues are. Not because I'm autistic or anything, <laughs> but because, you know, if you said to me now, oh, you know, your, your aunt just had a you know, heart operation and she's very ill or whatever. And I just want to get out of that conversation immediately because I would rather we were laughing about something or talking about something interesting. And I'm not one of those people who's, oh, shame, tell me how you feel. And yeah. I'm really sorry to hear that. But I know that that's what you should do. So I've had to learn it. Listen, I, I think that that point you make about people renting space in your head, mm. I think that is a huge problem uh, for a lot of people. And, and like you were just saying now, if you can sort of move past that and not give them that power in your head, mm. you're already in a better space. Because... In South Africa, we have so much negativity all the time. I mean, how do you stay positive? I know you're one of the most patriotic people that I've ever come across. I think even oh, more than some sportsmen. I, I, I certainly used to be. I, I wouldn't say I'm non-patriotic, but, but all that stuff about the flag and the anthem. And, you know, this government has really squandered a huge amount of, of goodwill mm. and of moral capital. And I say the government because the people of this country haven't changed. They're still the same people. They're good people. Uh, we're trying to make a living for ourselves, our families. We're trying to do good. We're trying to be productive. My God, the people who keep this economy going now at the levels of growth and corruption that we've seen over the co past couple of years are all deserving of that order of Mapungubwe. I mean, there isn't a South African who shouldn't get that except all the cabinet ministers and the president <laughs> who've done absolutely the opposite every step of the way. I can't name a single good thing that any member of parliament has done since Mbazi Mashalawa put the Khao train in. You're right. And that's outrageous, actually. That's crazy. Because why should it be up to us? We elect leaders to go and make things better. And for a long time, there were leaders who were capable of doing that. Of course, there are always going to be 
crooks and skellums, but these were the the guys that we trusted. And I'm I'm not patriotic in the way that I used to be. Okay, I mean, I'm one of those. Look, I've never really cared about the the, the sport. Yeah, you're you know? not holding the I mean, badge. No, sort you of thing you, you, you knew. And like, if yeah. sport, I, I hardly listened to anything you said yeah, during no, the sports I mean, report. <laughs> I would just I'd start going on Google Earth or something. <laughs> there was something you just throw in there. <laughs> no, I'd drop in like sound effects of people going to the toilet or something and you just carry on you were very professional um, but I don't care about sport yeah. and I also don't care like how I'm perceived as a South African yeah. because I consider myself to be lucky to have been born here this is this is a lovely place to live yeah. it's a wonderful place to be able to make a con- contribution to there are lots of problems all those problems need solutions if you can find one of those solutions you can make a very good life for yourself make money make a difference you can have purpose Yeah, but if you are going to ask me, you know, whether I'm waving the flag or, you know, going and 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 kind of helping motivate other people yeah, to be good and, South yeah. Africans on Mandela Day, uh, th- those days are over for me. Yeah, not interested anymore. There's because it's been squandered. It has it's been. like all of that goodwill, and I'm not the only one who feels this. No, way. I think it's. I think this is this is testing the water with anybody now. I mean, we used to do stuff. We used to go out and. Not even for Mandela Day. You and and the team and I, we'd go out and we'd do stuff that was just about doing good because we were in the public eye and we felt we could use that attention to make things better for other people. We'd go and do it like a weekly thing almost. Now, I'm like, that's actually your job, guys. Uh, You you should be doing that job. I'm already trying to run a company. And which country in the world hires a minister of electricity? Well, I mean, isn't that a useful way of finding someone new to blame when things don't work? Absolutely. And also paying him a fat salary. And, ach, please, sputla ramachopa. Give, give me a break. Anyway. Um, GC, I, I want to just go back a little bit. Where did you find your, your passion for broadcasting? Like, as a kid at school, I know that you were an academic in terms of you yeah, yeah. love your history. Yeah. What you, you love mean is I was never any good at sport. <laughs> but where did your... Your love for broadcasting. I don't think people are, know this about it. Um, it. It sort of came from driving into school every day because we. it was a long drive and my mother would load all three of us into the car and we would have to take like a good 40 minutes to school in the mornings. And then if there was someone who had sport in the afternoon or some other activity, the rest of us would just have to wait because you couldn't expect my poor mom to go back and yes. then come back because we lived on a farm far out of, out of town. Anyway, it was... It was that morning drive in where there were people like John Burks who were, you know, just these incredible entertainers. And it, it's not too big a deal for me to say that guys like him deserve the lion's share of the credit for, you know, awakening in me some idea of what it took to entertain people. And there was something there that I wanted. But it was really at varsity because I was on campus radio and it was to kill time between lectures. And I just discovered that I could I could make people laugh. Yeah. I could I could keep the microphone on and keep entertaining people. I could tell fun stories. I could do accents. I could play music. I could have a lot of fun. And, and people thought it was so cool. And I thought, cool, I'll do this. This is, this is good. And we didn't earn money, obviously, there. No. But when I realized there were people dumb enough to pay me to do that, <laughs> I was like, Hell yeah! Sign me up. Let's do that, <laughs> because then uh, you know you don't have to work. You, this is yeah. this is not work. No, it's not work. No, it's the most it's awesome thing you can do. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I recently saw a few photos. You were with Jeremy Mansfield before he passed. Yeah. Um, he's also a guy that 
uh, in the radio space created some magic. I mean, he he was a phenomenal. Well, look, I mean, last year both he and uh, and Burks died. Yeah, and these are two people who. I, I will I'll never say because people always imagine that all of us radio people hang around together all no, the time. I yeah, mean, people still stop me when I'm filling up my car with petrol and you're like, how's DJ Fresh? And I'm like, <laughs> I haven't seen the guy in like three years. Yeah, no idea. But I'm sure he's fine. I mean, we've got each other's number yeah, sure. and we've, we've had drinks together and we've gone out for like coffees and things. But I wouldn't say he's like a close friend. Yeah. But I saw Burks about a month or two uh, before he died and, and recorded the last interview with him. I really went to visit him, but took this recording equipment, sat him down because he loved to tell stories. Oh, and he was at he was at full capacity, in full flight, and it'll never be published. It was really for his family. And he said some beautiful things there about his kids and his grandkids. And, you know, if, if that was helpful in some way to them, um, then... I just think of that voice, man. Oh, that oh. voice. But also, what a sense of humor. And, and he understood South Africans. Mm-hmm. Like he understood what makes us tick. Um, and the same goes for Jeremy. You know, he was uh, he was very sick. And Sam called me and said there are a few people he wants to see. There are some people he definitely doesn't. And would you come here at this day on the you know? And I thought, well, this is going to be awkward and weird. I don't know if I want to do this because you know, again, I'm not yeah, I'm not very emotional. No. I'm like, well, you know, just go, Jeremy. Just like leave it. You've done your work. You don't even, you don't need to do a. I do I really need to go. someone yeah. like me? Anyway. Um, we had a really fun lunch. There were about six or seven of us. And it was just fun to see him laugh and to see that that, you know, glimmer in his eye and that, that, that I, I was saying to him, you know, all these characters that you'd invented and these, these things are going to live forever, which I, I hope made him feel a bit better because it's, it's got to really suck. And I, I mean, even Mark Pilgrim recently, yeah. you know, it's got to really suck to be, uh, aware of the fact that your time is so finite because we're all on a path to the grave eventually, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, yeah. but uh, it's, it's in the distance until it suddenly isn't. And I'm not, again, I'm not one of these nostalgic people, but these guys made an, an amazing contribution to radio. And radio was for a long time because there wasn't social media when they were the, the kings of radio. Right? Even when we were doing our show, social media was a kind of a it was a burgeoning infant thing. Yeah. And th- the radio was the, the town square. That the show that we did, we invented Puza Thursdays oh, and it's the weekend baby and we had songs for everybody and there was, like it was a there was a theme for, for, for everything that everything. happened on the show and people were all in on it. It was yeah. like it was their joke, they owned it. And that was pretty special. I think that was a very, very special time to be doing what we did. Yeah. You know, now everybody, because of social media, is in a position to do that. Some people do it very well. Some people don't. Um, but it's a different kettle of fish. It's not the same. And to be part of that national conversation, to know when we turned on our mics in the morning on that show that we were talking to two to three million people, that's pretty, pretty big deal. That you was know? cool. Like it felt good. It felt like... First of all, you you better deliver. Yeah, you know we better make sure we're doing the best job we can do. Even if we were hungover oh, at dude. Sun City, like so, there were many days <laughs> where I think I pulled all nighters and I came wow. through that studio, <laughs> I and know. I know I, I I smelt like someone who'd slept in their car, and we were all we did our work. We did our right? work. You you we pitched I mean, up. You would fall asleep, yeah. virtually straight after the show. Yeah, and then the SABC would make us pay for parking. Oh, 
That's ridiculous. But we did our job. We did. And the audience would let us know if we didn't. I mean, they didn't have to be nice. No, they didn't. And I think the beauty of something like phone calls was it was someone in Paternoster or Mklanga or wherever it was, and they let us know exactly how they felt. Yeah, and they felt that they were part of it. They were, they were just as much a part of the show as you or me. Absolutely. Um, I just want to go back to those campus days. That's Tux FM hmm. or Radio Tux or wherever it was at the time. How big an influence did that play? Because you kind of cut your teeth there in a way. I mean, well, it was just it was a fun playground. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't really take it very seriously. They made me uh, uh, the manager of all the on-air talent, which was a terrible mistake because then. Basically, they did a wolf into the sheep's enclosure. Yeah. And now I was in management meetings. I'd record the management oh, meetings man. and play it on the show. I can't see and you I'd, doing that. I would, I would do absolutely appalling things. I mean, I was just looking for attention, and yeah. it was all for shock factor. The, so I did everything I could. Was the to measuring get of the penis? The penis measuring That's between an urban the black and the white like guys. No, it now. happened. It happened. Yeah. We got strippers in from the strip club, and they came and did it. We had um, an interview with Jesus. And he told me to, you know, it was I think it was around the time of the Passion of the Christ that if everyone was invited to the premiere because he could take one loaf and make, you know, a whole lot of sandwiches. And, you know, I had this echo on Jesus' voice and, and he was very buddy-buddy. I think he had a Yiddish accent. And then, you know, it went from interviewing Jesus to interviewing God to interviewing the devil to to talking to people who normally would never be on the show, like, Old age homes that, you know, old people, they wake up at weird times of the yeah, day. They do. So I'd put them on and then, you know, they'd <laughs> drone about how shit their lives were and how they constipated or whatever. People hadn't <laughs> heard that stuff before. They didn't know. And we used to do parody songs. And I mean, I looked for trouble with everyone I could. Um, I remember, you know, calling my, my mother's domestic worker. She was our weather person. I mean, she had no meteorological qualifications <laughs> whatsoever. She'd go like... Yeah, it's going to rain tonight, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It depends. I'll, I'll have a drink and I'll tell you later, you know, that kind of thing. So there was a lot of bizarre stuff yeah. that happened there, but I was just playing. Yeah. And anything that got the attention of somebody, I was like thrilled. I mean, I did stuff that you probably get, I mean, you'd get canceled yeah. for, for even talking about this now. But I, there was a, we'd do the, the news and we would take the news live from a news subscription of service. Of course, yeah. And then in the news, there would be clips that you'd had to play. And, uh, you know, the newsreader would say, and the German chancellor visited today and met with the president. And then instead of playing the German chancellor, I'd play like Adolf Hitler doing his, vergessen," <laughs> you know, and then, and then I'd come back after that and it would go, and that was the German chancellor. And then, you know, the German embassy, because someone would hear it. Absolutely. And they'd tell the German, and then I had to write a, a, an official apology to the German embassy. Just, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And I mean, to them, that's like the worst thing yeah, you can absolutely. do. Absolutely. But I thought it was entertaining. So Made I did for stuff. Great, entertaining mm-hmm. radio. So the, the Howard Stern influence, was it? When did that sort of come in? Because well, he's, he's influenced. So I, I got fired on, on campus radio, and then I went and and I asked John Burks to help me get a job, and he he couldn't believe the stuff that I'd done, and thought there was something wrong with me. He thought I was actually <laughs> like mentally ill. Really? Yeah, in the beginning. And then he said, "I'm gonna I introduce you to this uh, lady, Rena Bromberg," and he introduced me to Rena, and she said, "Because I had this list of stuff that I did. I mean, like ten pages of like things I I had yeah. up my sleeve." And she said, "All right, well, let me see what I can do for you." Anyway, I was producing shows on 702, which was the most horrible job ever and then they gave me the afternoon show 
and well, there was a midnight one for a little while, and then there so was. So you the did the graveyard for? A bit. Oh yeah, yeah. But they put me on at twelve until four, and there I had a wild. <laughs> I just looked for trouble with sure. everybody I could. I created such nonsense. I mean, there were people who would. They they told me that they would go to work and they they were so exhausted because they'd listened to like four hours of me instead of sleeping, which was a huge compliment. That's a huge compliment. But we did insane stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was just me. There was no one else in the studio, so it was me and songs and sound effects and callers and I mean, it was a playground. I was just pressing buttons and just like <laughs> entertaining myself, but at the same time, it seemed to work for other people. And then they put me on afternoons. And I went to, to America with, with Rena, and I, I actually told the Stern Show in New York that I was coming, and I'd love to come and, and see what they do. And the producer called me back, Gary, and he said, cool, come on this day at this time, and we'll put you on the show. Amazing. And I remember going to 57th Street, and it was, I don't know, 5.30 in the morning in New York, so there was nothing on the streets. It was like that, that steam coming yeah, out of yeah, the manhole yeah. covers. And you get met at the door. They take you up to the whatever floor it is. And you sit in the green room. And I'm sitting in the green room with Dennis Rodman. And I'm listening to the show. And, and Howard's busy like tearing, I don't know, Mariah Carey to pieces or something. And I thought, oh, Jesus, I made a terrible mistake. <laughs> this is going to be horrible. And then I'm on before Dennis Rodman. And he, he starts off with like, so there's this dude. Gareth Cliff is a DJ talk show host in South Africa. And... uh do you have black slaves inside? That's how he starts wow. the show. And I'm like, oh, God, I've got the whole country on my shoulders. This is, a, what, 22 million people yeah. listening to this guy. And now he's just said South Africa is basically like, you know, the American South before the war. <laughs> so, I mean, I had fun with them. It was, an, it was a really amazing experience at the age of, what, 22 when I did this. Because I had now been on the biggest radio show that there ever was. Uh, yeah. That was the most people I could ever lose yeah. <laughs> so after that it was everything to gain and I just came back and I decided balls to the wall there's no reason to mess around here and it was it was from there on that it just it became this really fun roller coaster no regrets whatsoever and and being known as a shock jock is that what you yeah, I hated out? that no, no I hated that because it may have started that way yeah and I, I definitely owned and earned that reputation yeah. in the beginning because I would, as I said, just now do anything to shock people and sure. to horrify them, um, including my own poor mother and various members of my family. I mean, they just became material for me. Relationships that I was in, I would, you know, I'd talk about those in a very, I mean, disrespectful is yeah. the best way to put it. But it, it, I grew up on the air. You know, the people that, that hated me at the beginning would come to me later on and say, actually, you're not as bad as I thought. Or they'd say... Um, you've become very boring because you used to be way more yeah. fun. So you're caught in a catch-22. Sure. But ultimately, you have to grow up and you have to start making sensible radio because no one's going to listen to you, especially in an era where there's more choice than there ever has been. No one's going to listen to you if you're not giving them something. Entertainment, information, empowerment, inspiration – Whatever it is, you have to add that to people's lives. Otherwise, what are you doing there? Yeah, it's not right. about you. Nobody's yeah. coming for you, no matter how fun you think you are. Exactly. They're coming for them. Does it annoy you or does it – how can I say this? Someone said to me the other day that we had on the show, he said, I used to listen to you when I was driving to school in with my parents, like 5FM. And I'm like going, those are the good old days. But like clearly we've left uh, – 
an impression on people. You know, we've impacted people's lives. Or it's like, or it's like or, a scar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know which one it is. No, I think that's a huge compliment. Yeah. You take it as a compliment. What else are you going to do with no, it? No, that's why I said at the end. I didn't it's quite amazing. know how to I take just can't it. believe that nine years later, people are still talking about a show. I mean, can you name another show that was on at the time? Not really, no. Exactly. So we, so we did okay then. We did all right. And if, if someone comes up to me and says that, I, I take it as a huge compliment. Okay. I try to be graceful about it and say thank you very much. But I also don't think I don't think you can get too caught up in that stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, what's what's next? Let's let's move on. There's other stuff to do. And I think that's important in our industry is to continue evolving. Mm. So like what would be next for you? Because you've done nine years now. I'm waiting for you to set me up with the Chinese. Okay. So you have to start doing <laughs> something talk about it. Or the Russians, you know, never know. I'll work for the Russians. I don't give a shit. I believe Larry King did, remember? He did. Larry King, at the end of his career, he was doing RT. Well, why don't you tell us what you got? You know? Steven I like Vladimir is a, Putin. He's a citizen of <laughs> Russia. Yeah. No, I don't care. I have no loyalties there anymore. <laughs> I'll do. Uh, They've I'll set do up the an job. office in Joburg, RTS. Really? Yeah. Well, good for them because I don't think you can get them on DSTV. Remember? No, they've been banned. They canned them. Yeah. You know, because exactly. oh, man, we have some virtual signaling. I'm, listen, let me tell you. I think that broadcasting management have always been shit, but they're especially shit now. They're such cowardly, spineless corporatists. These are some of the worst people. They like if you dug at the bottom of the ocean, where all the the, the shit feeds. You know, those things that eat the, <laughs> the turds from the other things. Okay, yes. That's where you'll find, like, broadcasting management now. Some of them. No, all of them. <laughs> okay. I've yet to meet one who breaks that rule. Um, TV, are you done TV because you had yeah, ENCA done. stuff? I'm done. Or done, done. I, I do not enjoy it. I don't know how okay. you do it. I don't know how other people do it. It's just not my thing. It's the hurry up and wait. It, absolutely. I, dude, I, I have the patience. I mean... How my I must have been the first Ritalin child that didn't get Ritalin. <laughs> okay. The ADHD, you know this about Sure. Me. I need to have four things going at once yeah. to keep me occupied. And it's not because I'm special. Because I'm special. I can't concentrate for that long. And if you put me in front of a camera and I don't have something to do. Yeah. And we're not rolling and things aren't happening. And you're yeah, waiting. I, I, I want to act out. And then I start. I start getting really destructive. Because I would have thought current affairs like on that platform would have been something that you would have taken in your stride. But. Maybe. Maybe if I was a journalist. Sure. And I'm not. You okay. know. I'm I'm an entertainer. So I actually find that all the shows, with the exception of Idols, I enjoyed doing that because we would just arrive and tell people what we thought of their singing. It was so easy. There was there was makeup, wardrobe, onto set. Show. And they they just start yeah. recording. There's no like prep, rehearsals, studio audience. Uh, I didn't care about any of that stuff. When they started rolling, we were sitting at our desk. And that was the best for me because then you get the best stuff out of me. You know, it's spur of the moment reactive stuff. If I'm part of the, if I have a script or... Auto cue. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> first of all, I'm, I don't think I'm very good at it. And second of all, I just don't enjoy any part of it. So not entertaining to me. I think you were good at it. And I think... What you have in radio and entertainment, you know, easily transitions into that TV space. I think you, you're very comfortable in that space, even though inside maybe not. But I still think there's a role for Gareth Cliff in something TV-wise. If it's a game show, you know, like I look at a guy like Jeremy Clarkson sort of thing. He's reinvented himself. Mm -hmm. um, 
and there's similarities, I think, but I still think there's a space for you in TV, man. I really do. Well, you know, yeah, I'm, you know. I'm not running for it. No, uh, Anella phoned me, what, two days ago. She's like, don't you want to do the masked singer? I said, no. And that was the end of the conversation. It'd be Nick Cannon sort of thing. No, 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 no. no, no. As, a a, as a judge or a, oh, or, or, as a, or as the, the singer themselves. I don't know. I don't know, but I wasn't interested. Okay. So it's, it's not happening. W- what song would you sing? I wouldn't. I, I don't want to do it. No, but I, you, music dress guy. up. Can you imagine? Oh, fair enough. But I'm just saying. I'm going to get dressed up in some stupid outfit. And I'm Firstly, what would that, you and be? And people are going, eh, this is great. <laughs> King I Charles Spaniel. I hate every <laughs> single second. But CS, I would want to kill myself. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, it's like that's my own hell. <laughs> books? Any mm. more books in the pipeline? Because no, that done, seems to be no, something again, you enjoy. So, right, once you've done these things, yeah. so we had the number one radio show yep. in the country. Done. Done. I was on the number one TV show in the country. Done. I wrote two books that were both bestsellers. Done. Two is enough. One two? should have been enough. Okay. Two. Did two. Because the publisher said you've got to do two. Part of the contract. And I didn't want to do it. Sure. And I hated it because it was also semi-autobiographical. Mm-hmm. And I don't like talking about myself. It's boring, especially when at that stage I was, what, 38 or something? What 38-year-old is going to write something autobiographical? I mean, how far is your own head up your backside <laughs> for you to be writing a story? They have Here's been. my story. <laughs> Come on. Anyway, so that – done. Okay. Um, we made we, we put out CDs that were like <laughs> remember CDs when those were a thing wow. we did I had the first ever personality app in the country you, you remember did, we yeah, had that you did yeah done I'm looking for the next thing we're pioneering podcasting we've done that now okay. now it's on to the next thing that's interesting because that space is always evolving the media space yeah. is evolving and it's trailblazers like you thank you but who, I don't know there are lots of there are lots of very very competent enough. people who are doing very exciting things. So not just me. Yeah. And we've done well, but I, I will admit, about a year and a half ago, I was bored. Really? Bored. So bored. And I thought, I can't keep doing this. If I'm doing this in another year and a half's time, then I've got to, I, I've got to go on an Arctic expedition. So what did you do? I've got to, uh, dude, luckily it subsided. And I okay. did find things. I mean, every year we sort of add new things to the, you know, to the game. I mean, there was that ENCA show, which you, you've mentioned already. I didn't enjoy it, but it was good to do it. It forced me into a discipline. Yeah. Um, I've been I've been working really hard at at kind of getting myself into a a happy space, and mm-hmm. I've always been a happy person. Yeah. But I'm exercising. I am enjoying myself. I'm spending a lot of time with family. Spending a lot of time with friends, and. I, I wake up in the morning and there's no one else I'd rather be. And I don't know that that was what I felt at that time. Maybe okay. that's the problem. It was me yeah. uh, not being totally in balance. Now that I'm in balance, it's all good. I get there like I did this morning, do the show, and it feels good. Because there is a time in everyone's career, and I felt that, where you walk through doors of a building and you're like, why am I here? Mm. Was that the feeling you got towards the end? Because I still felt like we were on a high, man. And I know we go back to the show often, but it was such a big part of my career and shaped me who I am today. And I just remember. Do you feel there was more to squeeze out of it? Possibly. I just feel when you told us wear something nice because this is our last show the next day. That I was, was all like, I told wow. you. I didn't give you any warning. You didn't. I didn't give anyone. And any people warning. don't believe me to no. this day. They said, "Oh, what's Gareth Cliff like?" I'm and like, and there are people who say that you know you guys were fired, and you know that's not. We the weren't case. fired. No. I mean, I I told you the day before. I'm like. 
wear something nice. There's going to be a lot of press yeah. tomorrow. This is going to be quite a big announcement. And everybody also thought it was an April Fool's joke because it, it was the end of March. Exactly. Um, and I sprung the surprise on management who were about as ham-handed as they always were. So they, what are we going to do now? They had no plan. No plan. You could see that. And it was all about the element of surprise. And then for a month, we had silence. And then we launched with, with Cliff Central. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, you, you and Tabor were the only two who decided not to come with us. Yeah. Uh, Mabali and Nian and Damon and Sia and everybody else, were, they were all on yeah. board. And you had other things that you had to do. Yeah. And you were worried about the risk. You had a little boy. Yeah. Now, he's not such a little boy anymore. No, he's, he's quite big now. He's a, he's a, yeah, he's a <laughs> strapping young man. Um, and you had a family and you had things to, to worry. And so yeah. did Tabor, you know, he had two kids. Which I understood, you know, old spinsters like Leanne and my <laughs> and, and, uh, and people like me that no one would marry. We had nothing to worry about. Yeah. Um, and, and we did it because I felt like that was where we had a chance to mm. really make a go of it. It was either stick around and they'll eventually fire you because you just become, too, happened. You become yeah. too much admin. And you're expensive yeah. and they'll find any excuse to get rid of you. You know, they're paying you a lot of money to do this show, which they of course need. I mean, if I look back, they were paying us two to 3% of the revenue that show was making. If we were actually being paid, everything we was were, sponsored we deserved, on that show. Absolutely. Oh yeah. There was, there was nothing. There was no gap. No. And if we were being paid what we should have been paid, which never happens. No. I'm not an idiot. No I'm ways. not going to sit here and moan about it, but they, um, they, they, the SABC might have lasted a bit longer. <laughs> but also, I could read the tea leaves there. And sure. I, my immediate impression from meeting with the, the buffoons that they had running the place was that this, this place is like a train that's headed for a track that ends and there's a huge gorge. Yeah. And it was right. So what were we going to do? Stick around uh, until they fired us? Not true. Or waste away trying to keep at the I mean we were at such a high standard dude yeah, I, we did. I have no regrets about any of that stuff for me it was because we were having so much fun yes it, but it, I, I, I know, but I know like what you're sex. saying you can't have <laughs> sex the whole day fair enough you can try <laughs> your life's only this long you can't spend the whole time having sex um, so, so Gareth what um, if you look at your career and, and it's far from over but do you have sort of moments that stand out for you that you go like Shit, man, I was part of that. Or, you know, like you've done a lot of cool stuff in your life. No, I, again, I'm not nostalgic, so I don't. When, when I wrote that second book, I had to go over the archives. And I've got, you know, quite decent archives at home now. It's like a set of books like this, which are full of pictures and, you know, letters and drawings and photographs and all kinds of cool stuff. But it was... Lab laborious beyond belief I, I didn't enjoy it and I do obviously I take stock and I'm very proud of everything that, that I've done and I'm, I'm very excited about the, uh, the ability that I've had to reach people mm -hmm. and to, to make a difference in some small way even if it's just making people laugh in the traffic that makes me feel good but I don't sit there with this you know here are the my greatest hits sure. so far Longing and, or, and, yeah. and I always think that the best is yet to come okay um, and I don't think that anything that I've done up to now is enough. I always think that we could do more. I certainly feel like there's more coming. Gareth Cliff, you are, in my mind, one of the best broadcasters this country has ever seen. 
thank you. It's been an honor and a privilege to have you on. And uh, I wish you all the best, man. And I can't wait to see what's next. Thank you.